Welcome to Conference Coverage Highlights, presented by ReachMD on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Conference Coverage Highlights features the latest clinical information and research findings presented during the 2009 annual meeting of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, which took place March 13th through 17th in Washington, D.C. The American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology represents allergists, asthma specialists, clinical immunologists, and other health professionals with a special interest in the research and treatment of allergic disease. Food allergies were a major theme of the Academy's annual meeting this year. The most common food allergens are the proteins in cow's milk, eggs, peanuts, wheat, soy, fish, shellfish, and tree nuts. More than 3 million people in the United States report being allergic to nuts. One study found that it's possible to desensitize these patients. Researchers at the Duke University Medical Center and the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences enrolled 33 peanut allergic children and gave them incremental oral doses of peanut protein. They started at a dose of one one-thousandth of a peanut. After about eight months, children could ingest the equivalent of up to 15 peanuts per day. This oral immunotherapy caused a significant decrease in many of the hallmarks of peanut allergy. For example, high levels of peanut-specific IgE antibodies. Study participants generally started with peanut-specific IgE levels greater than 25. At the end of the study, their peanut IgE levels were less than 2, and they remained that way after treatment ended. Peanut oral immunotherapy also caused additional changes. It suppressed allergen-induced basophil activation and had effects on T-cells and cytokine profiles. These findings could have important clinical implications. People with peanut allergies often go out to eat and consume peanuts without realizing it. About 80% of fatal or near-fatal anaphylaxis cases are due to peanut allergies. Another study out of the Mount Sinai School of Medicine found that a Chinese herbal therapy may alleviate food allergies. The researchers studied the effects of the food allergy herbal formula. This is a tablet that contains nine herbs. In a mouse model of multiple food allergy to peanut, codfish, and egg, they showed the herbal formula protects against anaphylaxis. The investigators also found that mice were protected against anaphylaxis for more than 36 weeks after treatment was stopped. This is one quarter of the mouse lifespan. The protection seems to occur because the herb affects the immune response. These animal results led the researchers to conduct a phase one study with 12 people with a history of peanut, tree nut, fish, or shellfish allergy. Participants were randomly assigned to receive the food allergy herbal formula at three different doses, or placebo. After a week of treatment, the herbal formula was safe and well-tolerated by food allergic patients at the low and medium doses. In an extended phase open-label trial, the investigators observed no adverse effects after six months. The herbal product has received investigational new drug approval from the Food and Drug Administration. A randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial is underway, involving about 170 patients at multiple centers. Some foods that don't have allergy warnings on their labels may actually contain allergens. Researchers at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine performed allergen assays on approximately 400 food products. Some products included an advisory label for egg, milk, peanut, or similar food products, while others were not labeled. Foods with allergen advisory labels were less likely to contain egg, but were more likely to contain milk or peanut ingredients than similar foods with no allergen warnings. 
Specifically, 1.8% of foods with warnings contained egg, compared with 2.6% of foods without warnings. Just over 10% of foods with warnings contained milk, compared with 3% of foods without warnings. And 4.5% of foods with warnings contained peanut. None of the foods without warnings contained peanuts. Overall, about 5% of advisory labeled products and about 2% without allergy labels contained allergens. Contaminated foods without advisory labels were primarily from small manufacturers. Research also focused on the prevalence of food allergies among different people groups. Investigators found that black male children have a particularly high risk of having a food allergy. They discovered this after studying data for more than 8,000 participants in a national health and nutrition examination survey. Each of these individuals had serum-specific IgE antibodies to egg, milk, peanut, and shrimp. The overall prevalence of food allergy in this group is about 2.5%. Peanut and shrimp were the most common allergens. Blacks, males, and children, especially black male children, had higher levels of sensitization associated with clinical food allergy. Compared with others in the study, blacks were three times as likely to have a food allergy. Black children had more than a fourfold increased risk. About 23% of children and adolescents had a food sensitivity. So did 20% of males and 27% of non-Hispanic blacks. The prevalence of food sensitization in the entire study population was approximately 17%. Food allergies can cause financial woes for families. Researchers examined data from the National Survey of Children with Special Health Care Needs and identified more than 4,000 children who had allergies to food. When compared with other families, families with a food-allergic child were more likely to stop working, reduce working, or develop financial problems. The survey also revealed that food-allergic children were twice as likely to not receive proper specialist care compared with children who had other special health care needs. This lack of care was associated with financial problems because many caregivers reduced their amount of time they worked or stopped working altogether when they did not have access to needed prescriptions, specialist care, or family mental care. The study authors concluded that making sure that food allergic children and their families receive necessary care may help reduce the economic impact of food allergies. Food allergies also have an impact on families' leisure time. Scientists have found that families with food-allergic individuals make significant lifestyle changes when it comes to vacation planning. They discovered this through a survey that was filled out by more than 400 participants. The survey results showed that food allergies limit where and how families vacation with food-allergic individuals. Among the families who go on vacation, 68% limit the type of destination. Almost all of them vacation solely in the United States. 36% of respondents reported limiting the type of transportation they take for vacations, 80% avoid ships, and 65% avoid planes. Families often take precautions such as obtaining extra epinephrine injectors, packing allergen-free food, and requesting special airplane accommodations. Many also research where the closest hospital is located at their destination. Families were least likely to visit Japan, India, China, Africa, and beach resorts in foreign countries. About half eat most of their meals in their room while on vacation. 86% arrange for special meals if the destination is equipped to make those accommodations. Overall, medical care was the most common limit on choosing a vacation destination. In addition to these clinical advances, there were some interesting basic science presentations at the conference. Researchers at Vanderbilt University discovered that the receptor for the cytokine IL-13 is on immune cells called Th17 cells. Giving IL-13 to these cells decreases the production of another cytokine called IL-17. This cytokine plays an important role in autoimmunity. 
This is an important finding because pharmaceutical companies are developing drugs that block IL-13 to treat autoimmune conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, and inflammatory bowel disease. The new research suggests that these drugs could actually make these diseases worse. A variety of asthma-related studies were discussed at the conference. More than 34 million Americans are diagnosed with asthma at some point during their lifetime, and nearly 4 million children have had an asthma attack in the previous year. One study reported good news for parents of these children. It found that newer asthma medications are effective. Compared with a decade ago, children taking more recent asthma medications have better control of their asthma. Researchers at National Jewish Health in Denver compared results of severely asthmatic children referred to the National Jewish Health Day program over the past several years with children who had severe asthma in the mid-1990s. More than three-quarters of today's children were taking leukotriene receptor antagonists, and about two-thirds were using combination-inhaled glucocorticoids and long-acting bronchodilators. None of the children from a decade ago received these medications. The more recent group of children was younger and had a higher proportion of males. Fewer required chronic oral glucocorticoid therapy, and they used lower doses or oral glucocorticoid therapy for shorter periods of time. The current group also had fewer glucocorticoid therapy-induced adverse effects compared with the earlier group. The present group had higher lung function, required less albuterol, and had fewer intubations. The researchers say their findings indicate that the asthma medications used today are more effective than older treatments. A study has found that insurance coverage does not equate to better asthma control. Researchers analyzed questionnaire answers from more than 150 asthmatic students who participated in the Denver Public School Asthma Program in order to probe the relationship between medical insurance coverage and measures of asthma severity. It seems logical that insurance coverage and access to health care providers would lead to better asthma control. But researchers found that more than half the students with an identified physician reported using emergency care. Only 27% of the students without an identified provider used emergency care. 92% of the respondents indicated they had a physician caring for their asthma, and 89% said they had medical insurance. Regardless of having insurance or not, the researchers found uniformly high rates of prednisone use, hospitalization, emergency care, and uncontrolled daytime and nighttime symptoms among the students. Students rarely used inhaled corticosteroids. The authors say the high percentage of students with uncontrolled asthma illustrates the need for programs that can identify and monitor children at risk for high asthma morbidity. Having insurance coverage and access to health care providers doesn't seem to help matters. MP3 technology and sports camps may help educate teenagers about asthma. Peers provide valuable support to youngsters, and adolescents spend a significant amount of time listening to music. Investigators from Rush University Medical Center in Chicago incorporated these observations into their study on asthma medication use. They gave four low-income black adolescents about a dozen MP3 tracks with coping messages recorded by their peers. The messages were developed and recorded by the study participants themselves for each other. The researchers also sent participants phone messages twice a day to remind them to use their inhaled corticosteroids. After two months, treatment adherence improved from less than 40% to more than 70%. Asthma control scores improved from 19 to more than 20. This is the clinically significant cut point for asthma control. The study's authors concluded that using MP3 technology to deliver asthma messages between music tracks may improve medication adherence in children with asthma. 
In another study, researchers from Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh studied 21 children enrolled in a day-long basketball camp. Asthma education was given along with basketball training. The study involved a survey that measured emergency room visits, physician visits, and oral steroid use. Children took the survey at the start of the study and then two and four months later. The intervention had no impact on inhaled corticosteroid adherence, but physician visits significantly declined among children. There was also a trend toward decreased emergency room visits. The research indicates that sports-oriented asthma education may be beneficial. Future studies are underway to expand the sample size and evaluate other outcomes. If it proves to be successful, this asthma education model may be valuable for improving long-term health outcomes in asthmatic children. Thank you for listening to conference coverage highlights from the 2009 annual meeting of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, which took place March 13th through the 17th in Washington, D.C. Conference coverage highlights is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com. These conference coverage highlights have been powered by Health Day.